Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, church. Can we greet our streaming family today in Jesus' name? Come on, put those, put those sets of hands together. God bless you. Welcome today to the house of the Lord. It's, it's such a privilege to be here. I want to let you know how excited I am. I'm loaded for bear today. We're still on the threshold, and we're going to talk about legacy on the threshold today. We're going to be looking together again at Caleb, the wonderful man of God, the generous man of God. And there's something so amazing about God's generosity. There's something so amazing about men, women, boys, and girls who have given themselves over to the Lord and have steeped. And we're going to be looking at Caleb. He's about 108 years of age. He's about ready to give up the ghost. He's at the end of his life, but the generosity of his spirit is contagious. And did you know, beloved, God always has a legacy fixed for your life. God always raises up young men, women, boys, and girls. You may not see them right now, but everyone who is called of God into the ministry, there is a legacy that we're leaving behind. And remember, our whole imagery has been potted plants versus planted plants. What is Jesus doing in the body? He's breaking the pots, the man-made containers, to allow our God-made roots to hit the God-made ground because there's something amazing that happens when the God-made roots hit the God-made ground. There's fruit that can happen for the first time. Isn't it a season to have true fruit? And when your roots are planted, you never see a peach tree go, peach. It's effortless. When you plant the roots, the God-made roots and the God-made ground, there's a fruitfulness that you can't imagine, and it comes in such a delicious way. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You just don't see stress in the garden. Have you noticed? (laughs) Just go in the backyard. Look at those trees that have been there for 80 years. They just don't sweat. They don't chain smoke. They don't bite their nails. We do. And we belong to Christ. (laughs) We're supposed to be windows to eternity. Well, we're going to look at Caleb, the grand old man. Did you know in your 20s, you don't know what you don't know? In your 30s, you may grant in principle that there might be something you don't know, you just haven't run into it yet. In your 40s, life has happened a bit to you, fire has come to you, you've sustained loss, difficulty, life happens. And in your 40s, you start maybe realizing there are a few things you don't know. Now, in your 50s to 70s, you know everything you don't know. But then no one wants to listen to you. Isn't that something? They want to put you, yeah, mom, there's mau mau and pow pow, and we're just going to put them in a home somewhere. Right? When you finally have something to say. Now, in, in the Jewish community, our beloved brethren learned that until you were 70, you didn't have a right to open your mouth. Mm-mm. 
You know, hey, the 20s can minister to the teens and the 30s can minister to the 20s and the 40s can minister to the 30s, but there's something about the wisdom of Caleb, the old sage, Papa Wit, the distilled wit of a lifetime. You know, one of the greatest grand old men I ever knew was Russ Busby. He was Billy Graham's photographer for 65 years. And Mr. Busby used to say, he used to say, Pastor Craig, in my opinion, and I may be wrong. And then he would speak. And I said, Russ, hold on, first of all. You would have saved me 50 years of trouble if I would have learned that. <laughs> in my opinion, and I may be wrong. With that line, you can hold forth and preach anything you want after you lead with that line. See? Russ Busby had the distilled wit of a lifetime. He was a white-haired, leprechaun, sage-like, twinkly-eyed man, 80-some years young. But he had Caleb's steeped wisdom. It's like steeping in a tea bag. You know, some folk just have been steeping in wisdom and insight. And when you're really in trouble, you'll jump the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s to try to get to some distilled mama wit or daddy wit. And she's probably knitting something in a chair and everybody's running past her 100 miles an hour because that's, that's mau mau. <laughs> Caleb is, we found out last week, the epitome of generosity. Remember Proverbs eleven twenty four. the open hand. There is that which is open and generous and has all things, but the clenched fist even loses what it perceives that it has. Caleb, even at an old man, is generous, and we're going to see him giving his ministry away. The last thing he does when his dreams come true is he gives it away to a young man named Othniel. You're going to be introduced to the first judge of Israel, Othniel. Do you know what Othniel means? Lion of God. Caleb's name meant dog. Well, isn't that flattering? But he was a loyal and faithful dog. He was God's faithful man. Remember six times it said of Caleb, he wholly gave himself over to the Lord. His secret was that he was wholly available, wholly open, and utterly generous. He was a window through whom God could do whatever he wanted, a conduit through which God could do whatever he wanted, and that's what God wants in every generation. And thank God the Caleb's are about to die and you just want to grieve a bit, but don't worry because wherever there's a Caleb, there's an Othniel. Othniel was the young man. Now, he's not as young as you think. Caleb's about 108. Othniel's about 75. But remember, remember, remember they left Egypt. Caleb is the last survivor of the first generation of those that left Egypt. He was a slave in Egypt. Remember, he was from, he had Kenizzite blood, he had Canaanite blood. He was not one of the children of Israel. And we found that God loves to adopt non-Jewish people into his line. Isn't that great? Remember the Melchizedek factor that God will use Canaanites and he will use the only ability you need is availability. And if your heart is wholly given over to God, he'll just put you in. And we find out over time that, that Caleb was absorbed into the tribe of Judah. He wasn't even one of the children of Israel, yet he becomes the greatest leader. And remember, the whole generation comes out and there are a hundred funerals a day for 40 years. Till 603,000 of that entire generation are dead, except for Caleb and Joshua. Two guys, two old guys. By the way, old guys rule. I'm sorry. It's just true. 
So it was down to Joshua and Caleb. Joshua's dead now. Caleb is the sole custodian of all the history of the first generation. Beloved, beloved, when you're in your 50s to 70s, you finally have something to say for the first time. Let's not put those folk away. Let's glean wisdom. Amen. <laughs> Sit at the feet. Remember uh, the story of Mary and Martha? Where was Martha when Jesus was, 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 was with her? She's in the kitchen, in the flesh, trying to do things. She's cooking, she's cooking meals Christ hasn't ordered. And Mary is seated at his feet, and she is choosing to glean for the short time he's going to be here, she's going to glean whatever she can in an I-thou intimacy, a face-to-face communion. And Caleb, that's who he is in his relationship to God. Well, what we're introduced to today is there's been a young man named Othniel, the lion of God. The old dog is going to choose a lion, a young lion who is going to be his successor in every conceivable way. Beloved, don't lose heart. In every generation, God has men, women, boys, and girls who are the next crop coming up. Well, I don't see them. You don't need to see them. They're there, though, and they're going to show up. And Othniel, no one heard about him, but he was a desert baby. He was one of those that had been born in the wilderness. So he's about 75. Remember, we found out that that whole generation, they were, majority were under 40, but all those above that were 58 to 70. All right? So those are youngins in the Bible days. <laughs> I love the old man verses now. Amen. Jacob was 65 when he met Rachel for the first time and lifted the well and kissed her and wept. Amen. Moses was how old when he saw the burning bush? He was 80. That's right. God has next to Caleb the whole time he's in the wilderness. Othniel. He's, he's gleaning. Caleb's his mentor. And beloved, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you show me who your tea bag is steeping in, I can tell you where you're going. If you're steeping in wisdom, there's an ancient Jewish quote that said, find a wise man and wear his doorpost out. Find a wise woman and wear her doorpost out. Because I can tell you right now, evil friends corrupt good morals. And if you are steeping like Othniel around a Caleb, you are going to, all good things are caught, not taught. They're caught. They're caught. You can say you have mumps, but if you have measles, you communicate measles. You communicate what you are. And Caleb, he has been faithful, wholly devoted to God. He's generous. Everything is amazing about him, but there's been a young man growing up right next to him. The old dog's got a young lion who's walking up next to him. And Othniel, we're going to be introduced to him today. He literally takes over for Caleb the mantle. He steps forward, and let me give you a little thunder up front. He marries Caleb's daughter, Aksa. Her name means anklet, little anklet bracelet. She was an adornment. Daddy named her a little pet name, anklet. Hey, baby. The most prized possession in Caleb's life was his daughter, Aksa. 
And she's going to be given in marriage and in union to this young man, Othniel, the Lion of God. Now, beloved, you've heard three years ago we did a whole set of series on lions. And we found out that the Lord Jesus Christ is not just the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, but he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And we found out there's a big difference between Lamb Prince and Lion Prince. And we're entering into a season, beloved, where lions and lionesses are on the prowl and they're going to have the vision and the insight to conquer for God in this third generation. We found out last week that the third generation was the generation that rose up and didn't know anything about God, right? Everybody followed when Joshua was alive and when the elders that knew Joshua were still alive, everybody followed the Lord. But as soon as Joshua dies and all those elders die, we have a generation raised up that doesn't know anything about God, doesn't care a thing about God. And, you know, the first thing they do, they forget the Lord. And they go and intermarry with all the pagans and they begin to just, woo, they just, they just open up to everything but God. But Othniel remains faithful, like Caleb, his mentor. Beloved, you're going to be like your mentor. Whoever your mentor is, good, bad, or indifferent, you're going to catch what they are. And Othniel, thank God, in every generation, God has an obedient servant who will not bow. He was raised, he was in the wilderness too, but he was in the wilderness, but he wasn't of it. Remember Jesus, our Lord, said, you're in this world, but not of it. Christians are to be the Renaissance men and the Renaissance women of their time. We are not to be afraid of this world. We are the thermostats that control everything. We are not the thermometers that reflect anything. We do not run into our chicken coop holding onto our Bible and surrender the culture to the devil, uh, uh, the record business to the devil, the movie business. Ah! That's what we've done. And it's hard ground to take back. But our place like Othniel, the Lion of God, is to be in the wilderness but not of it. Be in the struggle but not of it. We're not afraid of anything in this world. We are God's windows to eternity. And we are going to be salt and light and we're to appear right at the rotting point of the culture. That's where you used to put salt. Not in a salt shaker up on the shelf. Salt was to go right down on the meat in the marketplace and we are not to be ashamed of sin, and we are not to be embarrassed by brokenness. We, Christ our Lord said we are called to be the salt and light of this world. That means you've got to get right down where it is. Get the salt out of the salt shaker and get it down onto the rotten meat. That's where it is a preservative. Amen? We're not supposed to be divorced from the world, but we're to be in it, not of it. And that's what Othniel's going to show us. He wasn't a holier-than-thou. Uh, my name is Othniel. He was a lion. And look at the characteristics of Christ. He's a lamb-like lion and a lion-like lamb. Revelation 5, he's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, my favorite image in, in the New Testament is in the first chapters of Revelation when John the Revelator, who knew Jesus better than anyone on earth, remember, out of the thousands he picked 70, and 70 he picked 12, out of the 12 he picked 3, Peter, James, and John, out of the 3, 1, John. John was his best friend. John laid his head on his bosom. John knew the heartbeat of the God-man. John knew everything about him. Yet John, in the book of Revelation, sees Christ appear to him like a lion, and he doesn't recognize him. Did you know the work God's going to do in our time? is going to be of such a nature that those who know Christ in the most intimate manner may misread it. 
What God's about to do in the world, most of the church is going to say is the devil, as they always do, because they're used to seeing him come as a lamb. They're looking for lamb tracks. He's coming as a lion now. There are lion tracks all over the snow. Don't misread this time. Amen? Because Caleb is about to give way. Yes, he's been loyal. Yes, he's been faithful. Wholly given over to God. But there's an oath nail coming up. There's young lions coming up. And his, his very daughter, Aksa, is going to be the lioness that is going to match that lion, oath nail. And oath nail is going to be the first judge in the history of Israel. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a lion. Now, we gave you an overview of lion-like traits, and I'll remind you of a few because it's only been about four years since I taught on this. A lamb is a sent easily preyed upon. It's weak. It's harmless. It can be sheared for clothes. But lions are animals who make prey of others. They're strong. They're wild. They're majestic. They're unpredictable. And don't you get too comfortable with them. They can run 50 miles an hour in one line. They can jump 36 feet in the air. And they walk on their tiptoes. And they're the most feared predators in the wild kingdom because they represent the authority of Jesus Christ, the king of the universe. And their roar can be heard five miles away. And in the jurisdiction of their 100 miles, in the center there, that means that for about 70 miles, every direction you can hear the lion's roar. And they can, they can eat 35% of their body weight in one sitting. That's like a 150-pound man eating 250 Big Macs. Ooh, a day they can eat that. And then they lay down in a safe den and they sleep for 20 hours a day digesting. See, that's your new argument. I'm just digesting. Pastor feeds us so well, it takes me all week to digest. Well, amen. But when they're resting and digesting and they're safe in their cave, the Bible says don't rouse them up. Don't you think? that I'd like a selfie with that little tabby cat. That's not a tabby cat. They can do that, and you're dead. You're done. And we hear about it every week, usually with a great pang of joy. What happened? Well, they went to get a selfie. From the old lion. <laughs> Watch out. Listen to Numbers 23, 23, and 24. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till he devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victim. <laughs> oh, and everybody said, amen. Now, did you know the first and most important characteristic of a lion is his sight, his capacity for vision? God is going to give Caleb's position to Othniel, the lion of God. And Othniel is going to marry his daughter, Aksat, the little lioness. And that lion and lioness are going to prove to be the only faithful people leading in the ministry to that third generation that does not know anything about God. They've defiled themselves through mixture. They're unequally yoked at every level. But how many of you know that God is always in charge and he's always on time and he always has a lion and a lioness made, born to rule the hour? And that's who Othniel is. 
So Caleb can rest. Not only can he rest, he can go home to glory knowing I'm passing everything I have on to a lion. And I raised my own lioness to be his match in everything. Oh, beloved, while you've been living, you don't realize it, but God's had the right mentors in your life, and God has been feeding you from the right tables. God has put in your life minerals, vitamins, in the, in the form of men, women, boys, and girls who've been par- fathering you and mothering you. You're in shaping you your whole life, sculpting you like master potters, uh, seasoning like a fine wine, and yet, you know, I don't see it. Well, trust me. Othniel the lion is growing right next to Caleb. Wow. And he's going to marry his lioness. She has caught all of her faith from daddy. This is daddy. She's his little anklet. Now, boys are a blessing from God. But I was completely, completely unprepared for Brooke Galen Johnson to come out the chute. Solomon, Sebastian, Jacob, Grant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had my pit, my catcher's mitt on, and that little girl, oh Lord, seized my heart. Well, guess what? You you don't stand a chance. Sorry. Slain. You know. I have baby boy. Ah, oh, yeah, you got five boys. Okay. Wait till she shows up. Wait till Axa, the little anklet. Bracelet. Daddy's little bracelet. What do you want? What can daddy get? It's, it's, it, it, I am the humiliation of every father incarnate. What do my baby? What about me? Remember that old Monty Python bit? Ooh, what's he doing? Mother, I'm Prime Minister of England. I'm about to give a speech on Rhodesia. Oh, look, he's talking back to his mom. Oh, look at who he is, the Prime Minister. Mother, please, I am the Prime Minister. Oh, he's talking back to his mom. Yeah, that's me with all my kids at all times. <laughs> There's a lion and a lioness in, in, in the waiting room, beloved. Yeah, the third generation's gone to hell in a handbag, but who cares as long as God is securely on his throne? Catherine Coleman from this pulpit used to say, as long as God is still on his throne and your faith in him is still intact, everything is going to be all right. All is in place. Don't worry. You may not see it in the culture. You don't have to. You don't see much of anything anyway. The first trait of a lion is their, is their sight. They see eight times better in the dark with a highly developed night vision. Their, their eye design helps them pick up and amplify very faint light from the stars and the moon. They need only one-sixteenth of the light human beings need to see. Brother, sister, <laughs> it's what they do with the light they have. Are you walking in the light that you have? Uh, the vision you're going to need to survive and negotiate this next cultural moment is uh, the vision of a lion and a lioness. You have to have vision. You have to have a lion's capacity to take the light you have and walk in the light. If you will walk in the light you have, God will give you more. Hmm? Think about it. 
But what about those that have never heard the gospel? So I suppose the whole universe is going to hell. Hold on, hold on. God simply demands that people walk in the light that they have. If you walk in the light that you have, you'll get more light. Great principle, huh? Blessed are those who ask, for they show what? They receive, they seek, they find, they knock. It's going to be open to them. Jesus said, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you ask, seek, knock. If you walk in the light that you have, the light increases. It's a principle. It increases. But if you don't walk in the light you have, and, and someone lights a match in the dark forest, and you turn around and walk away, that's on you. If lighting a match makes you go, ow, 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 it's so uncomfortable. Well, what are you going to do with the noonday sun? Is that going to help? Can't handle the match. Oh, what? Give you the sun? God's not an idiot. <laughs> he gives enough light. The starry heavens above, the moral law within. If you walk in the light that you have, it'll increase. Lions have a capacity to use the light that they have to their greatest advantage. Amen. Othniel, we're going to see the Lion of God. This man has a sense of vision. He sees the third generation. He sees the compromise with the false gods and goddesses. He sees what they're doing. This was vile stuff. This is Baal and his consort. And, they, and the culture of the Canaanites believed that if you had sexual orgies on the threshing floor, you would incite Baal and his consort to have intercourse, and then comes the rain, and then you come and you get the, the fruit, and then all of the, it's a It's a whole festival, feastial-related, uh, orgy-based filth. But Othniel is not hiding in the chicken coop. He's going to be salt and light right in the midst of it. And he is going to be using the light that he has. And the scripture says he's going to slay the greatest enemy that rose up in that day. We're not going to talk about him today. We're going to give him next week. Give him a little time next week. It'll take you two weeks to learn how to say his name. When he's finished with his conquests, there's going to be peace for decades. Because the lion with his vision, knows exactly how to track God and trace God. Beloved, is your vision peaked right now? It needs to be. You need to make the most of the light that you have. If you don't walk in the light you have in a certain area, it shuts off, it dims. If you walk in it, it gets brighter. I go walk in our park every night, and at night they begin to knock the lights down at a certain point. But if you walk within the perimeter of the lights, the light you're in gets brighter all of a sudden. And I think the police are after me. Well, they probably are, but... When you walk in the light you have, God gives you more. And isn't it something? If you walk in the knowledge you have and the wisdom you have, it increases. Isn't that amazing? You don't need to tell anybody you're increasing in wisdom. They see it. They see your moral life increasing because you're walking in the light that you have. But don't tell me when you're in darkness that you're walking in the light you have. If God just gave me light, I didn't walk in it. Mm-hmm. Liar. Don't lie against the truth. Lion's vision, oh my Lord, my Lord. So they don't have more light. They just use the light they have more effectively. Lions see things hidden in plain sight. They can take the smallest point of light and they can turn it into sight. 
the smallest point of light, turn it into sight. Lions have vision. And this man, Othniel, who's going to take over for Caleb, oh, he has the same, he has every trait Caleb has. He smells like his mentor. He tastes like his mentor. He, did you know when you steep in tea, you, you, you smell like what you steep in? I hope it's good. Now, I smell and steep in a very special cologne. I always tell you it's Napoleon's cologne. It was. But it was also the cologne of Goethe. It was the cologne of Voltaire. It was the cologne of Mark Twain. It was the cologne of Oscar Wilde. It was the cologne of Louis XV. It was the cologne of Lady Diane. It was the cologne of almost every major... Uh, Every major author, every major intellect, every major Napoleon III, uh, Queen Victoria, young Queen Victoria, she used to wear this same. So I steep, you hug me and you go, he smells pretty good. I hope you think that because everyone who's anyone has worn that. Now the platinum givers, we may try to arrange a little bit of that cologne with your platinum offering. We'll have Gretchen run it to your house. Run it. You can't drive a car. You have to run. If you're committed, Gretchen, you'll do it. <laughs> Beloved, this is a time to walk in the light that you have. And you know what? Lions, mm, they hunt with strategy. They hang out in packs. Up to 40 lions. They're smart enough to know as strong as they are, they're better together. And we're going to see Othniel with his lovely lioness, Aksa, and with his support team. They're, they all run in packs. And there's something beautiful about watching lions hunt. But they're mighty creatures. They're awesome. You want that selfie, but you want it to be quick and make sure they're medicated if you're going to listen to their heartbeat because they don't play. And isn't that something? Remember in the Chronicles of Narnia, they asked if, if, if Aslan the lion, they said, you know, is he safe? They went, oh, safe. No, not at all. But he's good. Christ is not safe. I know we domesticate him in our Western Christianity. We make him Jesus. Jesus, come here, Jesus. Give me what I want. Let me rub your little Jesus belly, and you're going to give me everything I want on my terms. Guess what? You need to throw that Jesus away and get the Bible Jesus because you do not control the lion of the tribe of Judah. He controls you. Whoops. Shoe on the wrong foot. <laughs> Lions are unpredictable. Lions are, are, are not safe at all. But if the character underlying the lion is good, and Othniel's character is good, like Caleb's character was good. But you are what you soak in. Don't tell me you're not. I can tell you privately who my mentors are in life. And if you listen to me and you know who these people are, you're going to see the best of them has, has just soaked into my fragrance, my cologne. I can eat the hay and I can spit out the sticks with a counseling ministry, with an apologetics ministry, with a verse-by-verse -verse Bible teaching ministry, with whatever kind of ministry, well, worship ministry. I can go in and eat the hay, spit out the sticks, and just walk off with the cologne. Uh, it's a gift that you develop over time growing in the things of God. Amen? And you can also see people who steep in bitter ministries because what's in them comes out of them. Whew. The Westboro Baptist Church kind of thing that everybody thinks is Christianity. 
Come on. You steep under a bitter mentor, and you're going to be as bitter as hell. Don't tell me. I can tell you who your mentor is. All I got to do is watch your tone and your body language and your smart alecky way of saying to, and whatever. But, you know, again, in your 20s, you don't know what you don't know. In your 30s, in principle, there may be something you don't know, just haven't run into it yet. In your 40s, you start realizing uh, there's a few things I don't know, but 50s to 70s, I know what I don't know. In fact, y'all gather around. Daddy's going to talk. <laughs> Isn't it true? You know, I heard the story of, of, a, of, a, of a gentleman. He came into a church, but he was, uh, he was uh, older, and, you know, they just sort of put the old folk in the back. He'd been married 60 years, and he's volunteering to minister to a young married group of folk that had been married five years and younger. When he first walked in, they didn't seem to see any value in the old guy. There's the old guy. I can hear him creaking from here. But how many of you know, Pow Pow, he had the secret sauce. He's got the wit. Yeah, I know what you think you know, baby. And you don't need to be arrogant about being old and wise. But you got to know that there's a difference in life between somebody married five years in their 20s and somebody who's been married 60 years. He's forgotten more than you'll ever know. <laughs> and yet we want to ignore and walk past them and get counsel from someone who wrote a book at 25. I wrote a book. I have a PhD in trampoline. Oh, good for you, honey. PhD means post hole digger, piled higher and deeper, and phenomenally dumb. More degrees than the thermometer. Educated beyond his intelligence. I don't know about you, but I think life experience pretty much trumps your book at 25. How many years have you been married? 60. Oh, well, my wife and I are having an issue. Oh, you're going to have those, honey. Well, what, what happened? What happened? What ha well, she was going to leave me like five times. What did you do? Who do you call at three in the morning? Hopefully you have a Caleb in your life. Hopefully you have a mentor. Hopefully you've got a mama. Somebody that has the test of time under their belt. And they, you know, they don't claim to know anything. Well, I don't know much about, much about, you know what, I, the man of God. <laughs> I know a man of God, he's very wise, but whenever you ask him a question, he leads with, well, I just don't really know much about anything, and I, you know, I haven't really thought it through, and I don't know. But just wait. Wait for it. Wait for it. Because he, after he's done with the, I don't know anything, and I don't, I'm in a rocking chair, and geez, my left arm hurts. Wait for it. Because there's a wisdom that's going to jump right out at you. See, life experience trumps your book reading. But I read Greek and Hebrew and Latin and Ugaritic. Good for you, sweetie. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But when you're so smart and you're up there in the Asperger's category and you can't walk through a room without offending everybody, but you know everything about everything, we need one another. How many of you know the body of Christ? We need. I need you. You need me. I see the back of your neck. You see the back of my neck. We need one another. As I tell my son, Grant, I've been your age. You've never been mine. That line will work until I go into my grave. 
And I don't mean it in arrogance. I mean it legitimately. I got you beat on probably everything other than maybe some book knowledge you know about a computer. But those things don't matter usually when your heart's broken and your spouse has just cheated on you and you don't know if you're going to be able to keep that marriage together. Who you're going to call? Ghost. Buster, hopefully there's a Caleb in the woodpile. Hopefully there's an Othniel, a lion. Hopefully an Oxa, a lioness. Somebody that has seen it all, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt factory. That's who you need to speak in a moment of chaos and crisis. When your, your kid's hair is on fire and they're just about to, you know, <laughs> what do you need? You need peace. You need someone to say, peace, be still, honey. Now, let me tell you a story. And just call, you lower your voice. That's when I lower your voice. Everything starts lowering down. Caleb was that to Othniel. Lion's vision. Do you see? I just want to point out the lion-like skill of vision. Why? Because we're coming into a season where how you handle the light that you have now is going to dictate where you're going. All right, now. I think we've got that. No, we don't. Let me re-preach it. No. Don't worry. Like Elizabeth Taylor said to oh, one of her nine husbands, I won't keep you long. I heard a laugh somewhere out there. I heard you've never heard that, have you? Yeah, thank you. Whoever you are, please write in and please give. Thank you. All right. I'm not going to give to no Liz Taylor jokes. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> Othniel, the Lion of God, this young man, now he's got a great pedigree. He, he has been raised. Do you know who he is? He is related to Caleb by blood. Some say he's his nephew. Others say he's his son from an, like his half-stepson. We don't know, but we do know they're blood-related. Boy, it's good to be related by blood and by faith. He's, do, do, don't ever think it doesn't matter who's raised you in your family of origin. Oh, it matters where you came from. It matters who your family is. It matters how you were raised. And Othniel was raised. Caleb's brother is his daddy. He's been raised in the wilderness. He's been in it, but not of it. He's seen the power of God. He saw Othniel right next to Caleb. He saw the manna for 40 years. He saw the, the pillar of fire and the pillar of uh, cloud. He saw the shoes not wear out. He saw the tabernacle and the sacrificial system. He saw all the works of God. And so Othniel has practical, tangible life experience of God while learning and gleaning from his mentor. Oh, isn't it good to have somebody that you can trust with your heart? Someone you can talk to about your secrets. You know most of your secrets, if you could just get them out and throw them up on somebody that's safe, you wouldn't need to go tell the whole world. God help the social media generations. Everything you think at 3 in the morning you're going to put online to be kept forever against you because you were drunk. Whoops. Wrong time to take selfies and post them online. Thank God the social media didn't exist when little Craig was running about. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. I might genuflect on that. Oh, Lord. Othniel was of the blood and the faith of Caleb. 
His mentor was the only man alive from the first generation. Now, wouldn't you think you'd give Caleb a lot of attention? He's the only living historian. You know, I've had the privilege of knowing many people. I knew President Kennedy's best friend, Dave Powers, of the Irish Mafia. I knew his secretary, Evelyn Lincoln. They got some stories to tell. Jack, uh, uh, Carolyn uh, used to ride uh, macaroni and... Uh, Jack, you Jack, yeah, what about Jack? Tell me, about, I used to hang out with these people because I, I was smart enough to know they're the only ones alive from an era and they're the only ones that know where all the bodies are buried. So why wouldn't we give Caleb all of our studied attention, right? He's the only guy alive on earth that could tell you. What was, it, what was Pharaoh really like, Daddy? Well, he was a small man, <laughs> about that big Full, he's about 80 pounds soaking wet. You know what I mean? You get the first-hand testimonies. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed Evelyn Lincoln, then off. I asked her some questions off the air. We'll talk about that some other time. Why wouldn't you glean all you can from people who were there? Caleb is, Othniel's smart enough. He's doing it. You know, the rabbi said, a disciple is as a plastered cistern that loseth not a drop. Ooh, isn't that good? That means everything you pour in it, there's no risk. Any of it is going to be lost. Be a plastered cistern that loseth not a drop. Glean everything. Othniel and Aksa, his daughter, they gleaned it. They were, they were, and they, they knew each other growing up. They're going to wind up married, but they weren't strangers. They grew up together in the wilderness. They grew up together in their life experience under the mentorship of Caleb, the greatest man alive on earth spiritually. Some of you have been gleaning more than you realize. But young lions and lionesses, it's your time to come forth. Caleb's going to leave soon. It's your time now to get just to get comfortable with the fact that you're stepping out. In the third generation, yeah. Cheer up, saints. It's getting worse. The darkest hour is just before the storm. People, you know, Christians say, well, isn't God going to move you? Oh, there's going to be revival and awakening. But there's only an awakening after abject darkness and all hell lets loose. And even the Christians, even the elect think it's over. That's when the revival comes. If you studied revival history, you'd know some of that. But no. Oh, get your Bible. We're going to the chicken coop. Help. Help. Oh, cheer up, saints. We live in a delicious time. We, the darker the night, the brighter the stars. Don't you get that? You even shine your, you show your jewels off against a pitch black back. Blacker the better. The darker the better. The Bible says all God's mornings and evening and morning was the first day. It's always dark first. Then the light comes. We're right on time. Othniel, take heart. Lion, your time's about here. Axa, Linus, mm, 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 get ready. Your little paws. Everything about your lion-like nature is going to be fulfilled in the midst of a culture that's going to hell in a handbag. Good news. Amen. <laughs> the power of God is only and ever seen. Whenever you read about an awakening or a great revival, whatever it is you want to study around the world, you know what you're going to see during the 1600s? It was the blackest time in London's history. None have ever seen such darkness. You know what I mean. 
pure, you know, Puritan times compared to what we're dealing with on social media. You know, it was black and dark. Oh, help! There were picture movie shows. Oh, they were G-rated. Oh, Jesus, save us quick! <laughs> Beloved, it's always darkest before the dawn. It's going to get worse. We are going to be absolutely comfortable in the third generation. We're born for this. You are born for this hour, Othniel, Lion of God, Axa, Lioness of God. So he came from Caleb's family, blood and faith. Matters who's raised you. And don't ever underestimate what God can do through one man, one woman, one boy, or one girl that yields to the Holy Spirit. Do you know the characteristic of him? It says of Othniel that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Yeah, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. Yeah, the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. Those are the other three. But in Othniel's case, the Bible says he's only introduced in three verses. He doesn't say anything. We never hear him talking. Thank God. Because God did all the talking through Othniel, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we live in a culture and a time that must see the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit was the predominant fact of Othniel's life. We don't read anything about there's no drama in his life. He doesn't preach. He doesn't waste time in the narrative. He doesn't have 60 weird, lustful sins that we have to fight our way through. Othniel is the paragon of character and virtue. And like Caleb, he's going to finish well. Oh, isn't it just good to hear in advance, someone's going to finish well. He was fine until the last week of his life. <gasps> and he went to a motel. Oh, no, 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 please, <laughs> please. I was so happy when Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord. I just said, keep everyone out of his cabin. No selfies, nothing. He was a, pro <laughs> a prophet <laughs> with honor. Thank God, right? Lock the, the cabin. Isn't it good to hear someone finishes well? You just go, oh, thank you for that. It's like a tidbit. Oh, thank you. They finished well? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, it doesn't matter how you started, you can finish well. Othniel is going to finish well, bringing rest to the land for 40 years. Whew. Thank God. When he's finished as a lion of God, there's going to be rest. There's going to be peace for decades. Decades. Beloved, invest your life. Your life is like a coin. You can only invest it once, so invest it wisely. You will change your generation. You will be the lion and lioness that this generation is calling forth. And there's no limit to how God can use you when he puts the Holy Spirit upon you. The scripture just says of Othniel, doesn't talk about any counseling issues he had. There are no moral problems, no idiosyncrasies at all. He's just a faithful guy. He doesn't intermarry with all the weirdos. He's not worshiping Baal and his consort. He's not going to the orgies at the threshing floor. He's serving the Lord faithfully. I know it sounds a little boring sometimes, but boy, there's just something wonderful about someone who's consistent and faithful in their walk. Isn't that wonderful? They're not up and down. Oh, Jesus, help me, God. You know what I love about this church? You folk are stable. <laughs> That's because you're old enough. <laughs> you can't run as fast as the others. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know that. I get that T-shirt says, I'm not holy, I'm just old. It's true. It's not holiness. It's just, but whatever it is, I like it. 
We can't run as fast <laughs> as we used to and run in circles and deceive everybody. You know what? There's something beautiful about the Calebs and the Calebettes in this generation. They're calmed down, and they're fusing into the lions and lionesses. Stable character, sound doctrine, orthodoxy, oh, meal and oil. Look at Othniel. He's a meal and oil man. He's a, he's, a, he's a head and heart man. He's balanced because Caleb, his mentor, was balanced. If your mentor is wacky, you're going to be wacky. If they jerk to the left, you're going to jerk to the left in some weird... <laughs> there's, an ancient, there's an old philosopher named Ludwig Wittgenstein, and there's a story of Wittgenstein that just before he died, he was sitting in the back of one of his students' lecture halls. There was the great Wittgenstein... And he was listening to one of his students, Norman Malcolm. And one of Malcolm's students looked and said, who's the old guy in the back that's imitating you, Malcolm? You got the shoe on the wrong foot. You've been shaping lives you don't even know. One of my mentors, he used to carry his briefcase, and he only had one strap attached. He said, first of all, only one strap is all you need to hold the briefcase together. But all of his students started bringing their briefcases to his classes with just one strap on. Imitation is the, the most sincere form of flattery. Hmm? You, you imitate who you look up to and who you respect. So Othniel and Aksa have been looking at Caleb, and they've been, they are by blood related, by faith they're related. And the Holy Ghost comes on them in a way. And notice in Othniel's short rule, he was the first prototypical judge. No other judge was going to be like him. Why? Because he was a type of Christ. His moral character was solid. He finished well. He didn't have any fluctuations and, oh, my God, we have to put him in a mental hospital for two years because he wore himself out. He's meal and oil, word and spirit, head and heart, just as balanced as his mentor. You may want to make a choice wisely concerning your mentors. That's a, that's a gleaning. Now, do you remember when we talked about Caleb? We found out that he was a potted plant. Hmm? Egypt was a pot. 38 years of wandering was a pot, but when he got to what? What city did Caleb get to? And then he broke the pot and he put his roots in the God-made ground. Hebron. Do you remember that place? Hebron. That was where Caleb planted his roots and began to bear fruit as never before. And we found out Hebron was a holy place. Hebron was the, the second holiest place in the land of Israel next to Jerusalem. It was ancient. It was the place where Abraham intimately met God face to face and received the promise of his son's birth. It was in Hebron David ruled for the first seven years of his life. It was in Hebron that all the matriarchs and patriarchs were buried. The dust of Abraham and, and Isaac and Rebekah and everyone. It was a sacred place hallowed by the dust of the burial of God's people in the cave of Machpelah. He, Hebron was a glorious, holy place, and it was the place where Eshkol was, where, remember, the children of Israel saw the giants, and they saw the 
basketball-sized pomegranates. And remember the fruit so big it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes? That was the place that Caleb chose to put his roots down. Beloved, God is breaking your pot right now. Any man-made pot, medium-sized, small or big, is being broken. Why? To hurt you, harm you? No, no, no. To put your God-made roots on the God-made ground in your Hebron. Hebron was the land, the place where Caleb was to be planted. And, and the Bible says God gave him Hebron and gave his children in perpetuity that area of Hebron. So guess who helped him win Hebron? Othniel, the little lion, has been at the dog's foot. So usually you think it's a dog chasing a lion. It's a lion chasing a dog. It may look weird, but God <laughs> is raising everybody up where they need to be. A trained lion. <laughs> come here, bacon. Come here. That's bacon the lion. He's my little. <laughs> come here, honey. Jump up on the pulpit. Jump up on. Look at bacon. Talk to the people. Wave at the people, bacon. All right. <laughs> now we got to <laughs> we got to roll Caleb through Hebron again because we got to roll Othniel through Hebron. Othniel stood by his side, baking the faithful lion. When Caleb broke the pot and put his roots down, Othniel broke his pot and put his roots down. And Hebron became this holy place. Beloved, God will break your pot, but it may not be where you live right now. It may not be where you are right now. He will break your pot when you get over the right ground to be planted in. Some of you wants in Des Moines. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I live in L.A. I don't want Yeah, maybe it's Des Moines. Maybe that's the good ground for your good roots. I don't want to scare anyone. Because sometimes you can have the right seed but the wrong ground. Ever thought of that? You can put the right seed on cement. you got to have the right seed and the right ground and the right ground and the right seed, and they have to match, and that's when you see fruit. But you've been putting yourself on concrete ministries. <laughs> now, we don't want to go through five of your past relationships, but that was seed on concrete. You know, that you were watering ranch gardens. Oh, here's another. I'll water this screwdriver for 30 years. <laughs> Maybe that'll grow. Nope. <laughs> Let's water a gaggle of hammers. Nope. Different, but nope. All right. We want to put the right seed on the right ground, the right roots on the right God-made ground, and then guess what happens? Boom. Overnight, there's fruit. Now listen to this. So Othniel's with him in Hebron. But let me tell you something. There is one other city just to the south of Hebron that had been not conquered properly. And it's a city called Kirjath Sefer. There's another name, Debir. This was a philosophical stronghold. Did you know the Canaanites, like every other culture, had stronghold cities? that represented their ideology and their belief system. Did you know how? These were not stupid giants. I mean, you get the idea these are giants, you know, like, you know, what's that, that big show that we love to watch all, all the time? Big G or what, what, what is the guy? It's sort of stupid, you know, the lions, that, uh, you know, the giants are dopey and yeah, they can smell humans. But these were not stupid lions, uh, stupid lions and stupid giants in Canaan. These were wise demonically strongholded, it's a new word, 
I knew my grandma was demonically strongholded. Maybe she was. The giants of Canaan were not stupid. They had an outpost, a city, that contained all their philosophical knowledge, all of their wisdom. It was the stronghold spiritually of the whole Canaanite worldview and was called Debir. And Caleb said, we took Hebron, we've rolled our snowballs through that, we're planted in good ground. But whoever takes Kiryat Sefer, it's called the city of books, Whoever takes down the Canaanite stronghold of learning and insight and their worldview and their ideology, whoever takes that city, they get my girl, Aksa, as a reward. And guess who ran out at the speed of light? The lion, Othniel. He said, I want that city. Oh, beloved, let me tell you a little bit about this ancient city. Hebron was enough, but Debir was a magnificent stronghold. Let me read you some facts. The city's name was Kiryat Sefer, the city of books. It's recorded twice in the Bible, in Judges chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. From there they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name Debir was formerly Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kirjath Sefer and captures it, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, for wife. Kirjath Sefer was the ideological center of the Canaanite world. It was the administrative capital. It's called the city of scribes, the city of records. It was the place that was the repository of the whole philosophical belief system of the Canaanites. Did you know it was the governmental center? It was that center from which all evil emanated. Did you know God in every culture knows that you have to take down the prominent worldview and narrative of a culture before you can be allowed to have complete conquest of it? Did you know that God always takes down the rooted strongholds in an area? And if you can take down the primary stronghold of an area, you own that area. And guess what? Debir. They're going to rename it. Kiriath Sefer means the place of books. So it was literally the spiritual center. In order to possess the promised land and keep it, all the governmental system of false wisdom had to be removed. And guess who's sent up to take down Kiriath Sefer? Othniel, the lion of God. Only God's lions and lionesses are going to be, take, be able to take down the strongholds in our culture. And they are going to be shamelessly bold. Bold as lions. They're not going to negotiate. Remember Caleb's chief trait? That he brought the minority report and he defied the majority. Remember? Remember the 10 spies said out of the 12, we can't take it. Caleb said, not only can we take it, their breakfast for our table and their defenses departed from them and we will go up and seize it at once. And it says the majority disagreed and went to kill him. And we are going to have the boldness of lions and lionesses to step against the majority of the worldview of this culture. And we are going to rename the city of books, Kirjad Sefer, to Dabir. Dabir means the word of God, the word. 
It's also another phrase for the Holy of Holies. It was called the Debir, the center of the tabernacle, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and at the center of the Ark were the Ten Commandments. God's Word was going to replace, God's wisdom was going to replace all that Canaanite nonsense that equaled the stronghold of their culture. Oh, things are going to fly, loved one, in your generation. Woo! Lions and lionesses are going to destroy all the strongholds. And by the way, this city was very odd. It had a weaker outer wall and a strong inner wall, but when you got between the outer wall into, before you got through the inner wall, there were mazes that were set up to trap you. So the enemies of Canaan knew we got to keep this demonic stronghold safe. We can't let those people come in and invade this because if they take and root out this stronghold, they got the whole land. So we're going to put up fake walls in any way to seduce them in to a blind alley. Ever been seduced into a blind alley? <laughs> you think you're getting liberty and you think you're breaking through and then you wind up like in a labyrinth somewhere going, remember the corn maze over in Moore Park? Yeah, that was real great. I led my kids into that thing, remember? And then we all got lost. Yeah. And Brooke goes, follow daddy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, follow me, honey. I'm sure we came in here. No, actually, it was here. Think, and it was too high, though. To <laughs> I'm trying to, like, sneak out, break out, claw my way out so I don't look like a complete idiot. Didn't work. Some young guy had to like open a secret door in the corn maze and go, do you really need to get out, sir? It's this way. Yeah, please just don't tell my kids. All right, good. Turn left right here, honey, at the next. Uh, and right there. Thank you. Thank you. Debir was a city that had a fake wall, and they wanted to distort the blind alleys to catch you and capture you. That's what you had to contend with if you wanted to take down this stronghold. But guess what? Othniel the lion was raised all of his life for this, and it just says they took it at once. <laughs> it was the center of the oracle, the ancient Anakim, all their collective corporate wisdom. It's where the false priests were with their doctrinal books. And it says Othniel just, <laughs> he just took his paw as a lion and went <laughs> and uprooted that thing and took it. And guess what? They took the land right after it. Did you know there are some strongholds that may have to come down in our lives? But as soon as they fall, the land is yours. But you got to root out the strong man, Jesus said. Got to get rid of the stronghold. And isn't it funny that Othniel, Caleb didn't take it. He could have. But daddy's about, he's so generous. He just said, baby, I'll tell you what. If there's a boy that can take <laughs> Kiriath Sefer, the city of books, you can have my daughter. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> the roadrunner. <laughs> you know, he's back. <laughs> now, he wasn't holding his daughter hostage. This wasn't some weird cultural thing where she's going, no, daddy, he's so ugly. No, this was a match made in heaven. They grew up together. They were in the wilderness together. They had a shared life experience. They're the same blood and faith. They are perfectly matched and beloved. The lions and lionesses that are going to take this culture are going to be equally yoked at every level of their life. Well, I married a Christian. That doesn't mean you're equally yoked. You can marry a jackass Christian. That's unequally yoked. You can marry an idiot Christian. You marry an immoral Christian. Well, at least they were saved. Well, yeah, and a serial killer. Yeah. 
in their weaker moments when they weren't following Jesus. Come on now. One thing about Othniel and Aksa is they were equally yoked and they waited their lives to be hooked up to the right people so that when they moved forward as a lion and a lioness, they were going to change their culture. Come on, somebody say amen. Lions and lionesses, not unequally, not a lion and a boar. You know, you guys are, you're, you're together? Yes. Come here, honey. Let's get out of here. We're not appreciated. No, 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 not lions and pigs and lions and dogs. That was even a stretch, the dog with a lion. Bacon. It's a lion and a lioness. <laughs> we need to see an equally yoked <laughs> season. <laughs> Amen. Vertically and horizontally. Wouldn't that be a gift to not have one person saved and the other demon-possessed, you know, I am legion for we are many. You know, and you guys got married in Vegas last night? Yeah, we wanted to make it right, you know. Oh. Beloved, there's a beauty that we see when we're equally yoked in the ministry where we serve our mentors, our life companions. Oh, my God, it's going to be a beautiful season. And it's funny, they're not spiritual prigs. This, these aren't people whose theology is as high as the heaven and twice as cold. These are passionate men, women, boys, and girls who run with God. Mm, 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 mm. That'll make Caleb sleep well at night knowing he's got a young lion that he's raised and a young lioness that is his little baby girl. Don't mess with his baby girl. I love you, old Nell, but if you ever hurt my girl, I'm going to make you feel pain you've never dreamed. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Othniel and Caleb, they rolled through Hebron together. Now he's going to single-handedly take Kiryat Sefer. He's going to take Othniel as Caleb watches. Isn't it something an old leader will stand back and let you see the sunshine, let you get good press, let you get an interview in public, didn't trying to eclipse you. Oh, beloved. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Legacy on the threshold is coming. Those of you who are laying down your life and your legacy, those who are just picking up your legacy, it's good news all around. But I want to pray for you. You say, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, whether you know it or not, you're a lion of God. You're a lioness. You have wisdom. You have not even tapped the root of. That's why you're as old as you are. That's why you know what you know. That's why you've been through the fire you've been through because you're going to be one of those men, women, boys, or girls that is going to give wisdom to this next generation. Oh, they need it in these dark times. The stories you can tell about what God did in the Mesolithic era, those stories matter. Amen. What a generous heart Caleb had. And we're just sort of, we'll, we'll deal with Othniel. I've, I'm still, I hadn't preached everything in my bag yet about him. We're going to come soon to an end of this threshold teaching. Don't cry. Don't break out in tears. Gretchen, calm down. Because, <laughs> you know, I'll do another series of 35 episodes. But there is a season now where legacy is going to be seen on the threshold. Legacy, legacy, legacy. That, that means it's what you leave behind. I've often said I want to be like the incense in the temple. It was ground to 
powder, it was set ablaze, and it disappeared, and it left a beautiful fragrance behind. Wouldn't that be lovely to have a legacy where you leave something behind that is fragrant? Caleb left that to Othniel and Oxnot. I want to pray for, first, my Caleb's and Mrs. Caleb's. Because maybe you think you're coming to an end of the season of your life. That's all right. It's okay. All It's all good. You're right where you need to be. And I want to pray for my Othniels and Oxes, my lions and lionesses that are just coming up. Ooh, their vision is getting keen. They've been using their light. They're practicing every night in the dark with managing their gifts and their talents and their abilities. They're playfully learning how to be lions and lionesses. Father, I bless right now the Caleb's, O oh God, the faithful men of God who have given their lives. Sometimes they seem to have poured out their souls. Seems like uh, on ungrateful ground, maybe. Maybe they feel they've watered a wrench garden. Maybe these Caleb's feel that they, they could have poured their life waters out on better. Play. But hold on, Lord, I bless the Caleb that watches me right now. God, in spite of you, has kept you. He has used you in a way you cannot possibly see. There's one word in heaven. Oh, you're going to see that you poured your life out just right. Lord, bless all the Caleb's who have just shown up no matter what. They're the last living custodians of the history of the first generation. We bless them. We want to learn from them and hear their stories over and over again until we're bored to tears, but we want to hear it for the hundredth time. Bless the Caleb's, Lord, and all they yet have to pour into this next generation. And Lord, and Caleb's precious wife, Lord, all of these daughters of God, Lord, that have been the Caleb's counterpart partners in this world. Lord, bless your daughters, Lord, who have lived so long, seen so much. And Lord, thank you. They will live to see their wisdom valued, thirsted for, sought after. Bless all the Caleb's and their generation, Jesus. And Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Gretchen, just go about and lay hands on everybody this morning. Thank you, Father God. We pray now for all of your beautiful oath nails, Lord. All these young lions that are coming up and their prowess is peaked and their gifts and their talents are heightened. And thank you, they've been practicing seeing in the dark. And thank you, God, they've been walking in the light that they have. And thank you that your blood has cleansed them of all their sins and frailties and weaknesses. And Lord, we bless Othniel. We bless the lions that are coming up. We bless them with supernatural strength, Lord. They're going to jump 36 feet. They're going to run 50 miles an hour. They're going to be able to swat down uh, Kiryat Sefer. They're going to be able to destroy the strong hold of the city of books. They're going to be able to tear down false ideologies, false worldviews, and bring the truth to light, Lord. A blessing on all your oath nails watching this morning. And Lord, your oxas, those beautiful lioness daughters of yours. Oh, God, they're precious. The little anklet bracelets, the little adornments in your kingdom, they're just so precious. Bless them, Lord. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. Fill them with meaning and value and raise them up in a moment, Lord. Wherever they've been, raise them up in a moment to walk in your ways and to that boldness of conquest moving forward. Bless the the Othniels and the Axes. Amen. And somebody, Lord, bless all your servants that have just shown up 
We pray to finish well, as Caleb did. We want to give up our crown, and we want to pass that baton onto the next person, the next group. And we thank you that you will get all the glory for what is done in and through our lives and our church and our ministry in Jesus' name. Someone say amen. Put your hands together right now. Put your hands together. We love you. We praise God for you. Can we thank God for Mike Fuller putting all this together and making everything run the way it should? We love you, Mikey. We love you, brother. And the cross is, remember, the altar is always open. You can come anytime. <laughs> Beloved, God is right on time. You may not see the oath nail coming up behind Caleb. It's okay. You don't need to see. Whoever that is politically, whoever that is philosophically, in the philosophical community, the apologetics community, you see the old dogs dying, they're all running out. I'm getting a little worried. And whenever I do, the Lord says, Craig, I got oath nails that are going to roar, outroar Caleb. Don't worry about it. You may not see them, but they're, they're coming up. They're coming up. Be encouraged. Amen. Well, we bless you. And you know what? If you have any prayer requests, send them in. And also, if we feed you and you are blessed, feed us. Amen? We, we don't have a huge overhead here, but we do have an overhead. And I'm next Sunday, I'm going to write a check to the Hampton Inn. So while we pray, we're not going to hunt you down. If you give to us, we're not going to like send a hit men to your house. We may send it to your mother's house. No, I'm kidding. You know, say, Mom, hey, if you love your baby, you... Okay, we're not going to pester you, okay? We appreciate the $20 gift. We appreciate the $100 gift. We need consistency is what we need. If we bless you, you bless us, and there's nothing too small. Be consistent. That's all. And if we feed you, feed us. Isn't that a beautiful way to hear the truth? And I tell you, we're so grateful for the generosity of our people. We've got the most generous souls in the world in this ministry. And I want to just commend all of our precious loved ones here today. We bless you. But you know, we want you to have the opportunity of planting Jack and the Beanstalk seed into this ground. Because it's good ground. Amen. Father, we pray right now for everyone under the sound of my voice that you would bless them, Lord. Bless their finances. Bless their families. Bless their relationships, Lord Jesus. Open the altars and let them come forward, Lord, and find newness of life in you. If someone doesn't know you today, Jesus, that they will just open the heart and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, please be my Lord. And you will open their lives. You will rush in. It's like opening a submarine underwater. He'll rush in. It's like opening an airplane window in the, in the, in the air. He will rush in. Just open the door. Just say yes. Just say yes to him. And maybe you've known him for years, but you say, Craig, I've, I've backslid. I'm cold. It's all right. Just open the door. All things are new. His fire will touch you and bless you. And Lord, we thank you that you would burn away all the wood hand stubble that needs to go and purify the gold and silver in our hearts that need purification. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Can we put our hands together and thank God for these lambs looking in today? We love you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. 
You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.